0: You're listening to Sprott Money's Monthly Wrap-Up with Craig Hemke.
1: Well, hello again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. We are ready to wrap up the month of February. My goodness gracious, one-sixth of the way through the year already. Oh, where does the time go? Uh, I'm not sure, but it's the end of February, and it's time for your monthly wrap-up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us today is a new guest, Anil Varach. He is an executive vice president and a director at a company called Stepgold. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today after we wrap up the month. But Anil, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me, Craig. Great to be here.
1: It's great to have you. And I'm excited to learn more about your company. Um, Again, before we get going, though, I want to inform everybody about the company that's a sponsor of all this content. All month long, we've had the monthly uh, projections Uh, chart projections from Christopher Mullen. We've had content. David Brady and I write articles. We've had uh, the Ask the Expert. If you missed that, that was very, uh, very interesting stuff with Michael Leibowitz. I would encourage you to seek that out if you missed it a couple of weeks ago. And now we got the monthly wrap-up. All of it from Sprout Money, posted for free. So there's a couple things you can do. You can thank them by subscribing or liking the Sprout Money channel so that you never miss any content. But of course, I mean, why wouldn't you be adding physical metal here? And they should always be a dealer of choice, whether you're in the U.S. or Canada. Uh, go to SproutMoney.com, check out all their deals, their storage deals. And of course, you can always call them at 888-861-0775. So, Anil, hey, talk about stacking metal. Um, there is so much going on in the world. You know, we we began this year, which, like I said, is only two months ago, but already seems like forever ago. Um, everybody and their brother thought there were going to be like seven or eight rate cuts and that the fed was going to be on this path and you know easy money and all this stuff well that we've cut like done a full 180 and now people are talking about two or three rate cuts but yet gold's only down one or two percent what do you make of that price action in gold what do you attribute it to as the year has begun
0: um i think Uh, Listen, I think gold has been resilient in this market. It's been, uh, it shows you that actually it has been performing, maybe not up to the standards we were all expecting at $3,000 or $5,000 at this point. It'll get there at some point, but, you know, interest, uh, USD strength, interest rates going up, uh, you know, as quickly as they did over that 12-month period, and you have gold actually holding up above $2,000. You would never know if you look at the gold equities, including the majors like the (laughs) Newmonts and and, Ignicos and Juniors who are producers, but certainly gold is, has served its purpose uh, as the storage of value against the inflation and, and uh, the divergence with the interest rate cuts. And I think part of that is is you're seeing it record central bank buying. The East continues to buy. You know, I'm Indian, uh, you know, heritage, and and in Asia, it's in our culture for thousands of years, and that's not going out going anywhere. And it's and it's always been that storage of value. It's a currency uh, that still exists in the central banks and the BRICS countries. I think are continuing to accumulate at at record levels, and that's helped prop up the the price uh, significantly uh, or keep it at this base that we're seeing. Um, you know, not moving it up significantly, uh, and and that has to do probably with some liquidity also from other countries. Whether it's the the conflicts going on in the world today, uh, obviously Russia being 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 the main I would say seller probably uh, to fund uh, the conflicts. So you had that offset of liquidity. And and general liquidity, you know, nothing has changed. So people are expecting the rates to go down. That's quickly in March and and all this you know stuff going into to the end of last year, uh, n- but nothing has changed. Inflation still exists. Uh, the conflicts still exist. Um, you know, debt record debt levels at least on this side of the world continue and and, and continue to grow. Uh, you're seeing refinancing at the retail level, like so individuals like myself. Uh, you know, in Canada, I think we're probably forty to fifty percent haven't even renewed their mortgages as yet uh and those who are you know are obviously having liquidity issues and that's impacting the equity markets or they're having to sell assets like gold so all that's I guess is maybe keeping it down from maybe where it should be you know I would say higher today but there's yeah. that's that's a good thing because then we have a good base to work off when things do change. I would say second half of the year is when I think we'll see some some light at, uh, at the end of this tunnel, maybe a first rate cut or two, gets people confident. And of course, that's that'll be good for for gold. And I think finally gold equities.
1: Yeah. You know, the last rally started from a base of just north of $1,800 and was $300 in two or three months. So you wonder, the longer we can hold in above 2,000, it's just a higher base for the next launch. And I think you're right about that global demand. I you probably saw, I saw something oh, a week or two ago about Swiss exports uh, being at one of the highest levels in six or seven years, something like 200 tons. And, you know, for, okay. most people see, you know, they they recognize that's gold from the West. That's usually in like 400 ounce bars. It goes to Switzerland. It gets recast into the kind of the Asian standard 4.9 kilo bar okay. and then gets shipped out uh, to the East, uh, from Turkey to points East. I I would suspect you probably see that in uh, the part of the world where you trod most of the time. And do you expect that kind of thing to continue? Uh,
0: I do. I actually do. Uh, I think, uh, you know, even Mongolia, a small country that we are, pre-COVID, they were looking to increase their gold reserves. And I was talking to Eric about that, I remember, Mm -hmm. years ago. Now, COVID obviously stopped a lot of exports and revenue and and all that supply chain issues. You know, government had to convert some of that into, obviously, funds and USD. Uh, And now, as we're picking up again, I think you're going to see, you know, our government in in the region. We're we're hearing all that. Like you said, that record exports from Switzerland, China is buying up at probably higher levels than than they're always saying, Uh, and it's trading at a premium there still. That market is at a premium, I I would say a a decent premium to what we're seeing here. And uh, you're seeing a lot more continued interest from, from that side of the world. And I don't think it's, again, culturally not going anywhere. And with whatever orders coming next in the world order, uh, those who have more reserves of these hard co- commodities that have real value to back up the currencies or whatever currency that's going to be, I think uh, that's not stopping uh, certainly. And and you're seeing them buy the assets up as well, right? So a lot of these banks, you know, recently been up by the Chinese coming in for all cash. They're buying uh, you know all the assets around the world as well for assets in the ground, not just the the physical that's already above ground
1: you've been in this industry for quite a while. I would ask you kind of a, you know, 30,000 foot question, you know, cause we're all pulling our hair out watching the the producers just plunge so far this year. Some of them are just awful. Uh, and they're yeah. dragging down the index. You think, well, gosh, like a, if a company like Newmont wasn't in the GDX, maybe it wouldn't be down as bad as it is. But anyway, what in general, uh, what does $2,000 gold mean? for the exploration industry? Because it seems to me like there's just a a lack of interest, a lack of buyers. You know, you can have these great resources and you can measure and indicate all this gold in the ground. It's like, yeah, is $2,000 holding above there an important psychological level? Do we need to break out to get, you know, cash to start flowing into the sector again? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think you're uh, you know, listen, I think companies who have ounces in the ground, they're not gonna get value for expanding that today. It's not the best use of cash. Yeah, yeah. It's better to survive to get to the market where they will value those intercepts or the ounces in the ground or both, right? Uh right now is it's it's a waste of funds. If you have two million ounces, three million ounces of the ground, that's still sizable to get value when people care. Uh growing that to four or five, I think is is not the the most prudent use of cash. Uh it's, it's probably a you know, not good away. It's better to survive. So, if I was an expiration company, the best thing to do is try to survive, wait for the market to tick up. And then people will pay for, for expiration plays because they know the big boys are spinning off even more cash. So, going back to the new months of the world, you know, they're still spinning off cash. You know, they're, 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 they still have good margin. They're investing assets, non core assets, and there's all that jazz. But last time gold was about holding above $2,000 in what, 2020. I think Nico and NUMA were double or triple what they currently are today. Yeah, right. And they are spending off cash. And and so I think with a tick upticking in the gold price, you're going to see more cash flow from these larger entities, and people will expect more M and A to happen uh, at the the lower levels. So you're going to see more consolidation and expiration. More companies need to be consolidated, anyways. I think there's still too many junior companies, so it's hard to be, get relevance in the market. You know, so you need scale in diversification is what we find is what investors, you know, drawn to from a production's point of view. Investors now want to see a path to 300,000 ounces or over, Uh, you know, something that can come online, you know, you don't like for us, we're going to get there in a few years. Sure. But uh, they see a path to that and have multiple assets to offset the risk that exists in this world, whether it's wars, pandemics, supply chain, you name it on the expiration side, you know, there haven't been too many new discoveries uh because we have underfunded juniors for years now, not just you know as we were talking about earlier, not six to nine months of you know uh, downturn and no funding, this is years of no funding so in order to to get the to get the lift there, I think there needs to be some consolidation uh so there's more prudent use of cash going forward from these exploration companies mm-hmm. because again, no value uh for, for for putting holes in the ground today the from what we see uh but they'll value producers and then people expect as the cash flow increases from the largers and the mid tiers coming down to even juniors there's excess cash in the system to go to go advance these exploration companies invest in them or acquire them so I think there was yeah. going there will be that rally um, certainly uh, but there's still a, the problem is there's, there's underfunded these are underfunded companies there's yeah. a severe uh, lack of, uh, of capital for explorers today um, and so it will take some time but they'll come back they always do right
1: Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) let's, let's talk a little bit about your company, Stepgold. I I know, you know, people obviously listening to us are familiar with Eric Sprott and all he's done over the decades. Um, He has been, he's always looking for new areas that are underdeveloped and have great promise. And I I think a lot of people are familiar with his enthusiasm for Newfoundland and all that's going on there. But what they may not know is his enthusiasm for Mongolia um, he's been kicking the tires and and looking at the prospects there, which you think, wow, that's the other side of the world. And it literally is the other side of the world. And that's where Step Gold operates. If you don't know Step Gold, um, please check it out, stepgold.com. And you will see that they're actually the largest gold producer in Mongolia. Now you might think, okay, that's like what the how do you compare that? That's like the the top. Baseball player in North Dakota, right, or something like that. I don't know. You know, you might. Again, I mean, it's not to diminish what you guys are doing, but it mm-hmm. kind of shows how things are just. The world is just beginning to recognize the vast potential of the of this area as a resource play. So yeah. let's start by um, please tell everybody a little bit about Step Gold, uh, the recent acquisition you made. That yep. has made you the largest producer, and some of your business plans going forward.
0: Absolutely. So going back to Mongolia, it's a resource-rich country, one of the one of the richest. I would say still undiscovered, uh, home to world-class assets discovery. discoveries, like the biggest copper mine, one of the biggest copper mines in the world, like Oyotogoy, that Rio Tinto operates. It's underexplored, only one percent explored. So strategically located between superpowers of Russia and China, mm-hmm. and You have a stable government uh, and you can do things uh, with the government, very supportive, as we've shown and demonstrated with step Gold. So we're a gold and silver producer today, mainly gold from our oxide mine that we brought online in April 2020. So we've been in production for a few years now, now expanding into our sulfides, uh, which will come online in 2026. So taking our production to over 100,000 ounces per annum for an initial 12-year mine life at about $950 all in cost. And still growing because we've only drilled down to about 350, 400 meters, depending on the deposits. So, and we're seeing mineralization and new discoveries. So that our project is a phased approach. Phase one, oxide mine, we built, developed, used that cash flow to explore and grow the much larger asset base underneath. And yet we still have 90% of our property, our mining license, that's not explored. So there's a lot of opportunity for satellite deposits, for oxides and sulfides. So what we did is take a a non-core asset from Centera Gold in 2017 as a private company. It was 1.2 million ounces at that time, inclusive of 210,000 ounces of reserves. Today, with just a little bit of drilling, it's over two and a half, uh, just under 2.5 million ounces of resources and 1.7 million ounces of gold equivalent reserves. So that's a big uptick with not a lot of Investment, to be honest, it's just more of a geological reinterpretation of the work done with our with our team saying, "Hey, we know this is going to grow, and we've proven that out." We didn't have a lot of money to keep growing to five million ounces. We we do think it's going to be a three to five million ounce deposit, but the cash flow from our phase two expansion will fund will self fund the expiration. You know, this this could be a three to five million ounce deposit, and on just this deposit, uh, we have a second property that's um adjoining our Dean resources who've had a lot of success in country over the last few years with discoveries. Um, and then we're now acquiring this new Buru operation, which takes our production immediately from 30,000 ounces to about 90,000 ounces starting Q3 this year. And we'll be producing at a run rate for the next two years at about 90,000 ounces uh, per annum at about thousand dollars all in cost. So that makes us the largest uh, producer in country from primary sources. And then in 2026, with our fully funded uh, debt package for our phase two expansion, we jump up to 160,000 ounces of production at about $1,000 all in. So uh, scale today by Q3 of this year, we're 90,000 ounce producer, $1,000 all in. So rough numbers, that's equivalent to 150,000 ounce producer at about $1,400, $1,500 all in. So we're going to start showing up. On these screens, you know, when yeah. investors look at Bloomberg and whatnot, from our profitability, our our EBITDA, our free cash flow, uh, all of that. So that's that's huge, right? So we have mm-hmm. that scale today, and we have this funded, fully funded uh, expansion coming online, and then we still have all the expiration upside and sizzle that Eric and all these other investors like on both of our properties in country. So you have a fourteen thousand four hundred hectare expiration license. That we haven't had the time or money to focus on. But like I like I said, Erdeen has already you know, shown over a million ounces adjoining our license and growing to two and building a license, uh building a mine uh over the next year or so. So we're in the right area there. And then our current license, 90% of it uh we haven't actually explored. So only the deposits sit on about 10% of the mining license and only still dr- drilling at 350, 400 meters and growing. So that's gonna grow significantly, uh, I would say just from a depth. And then we have opportunities for more satellite deposits on that. So this, but the more key, the key part is self-funded exploration. So we're going to fund without having to go to the market on new discoveries to keep growing this asset base. And the goal is uh, to have three or four operating mines in Mongolia where our focus is. We are a Mongolian company. We're well-received there. We started, you know, a greenfield project. We bought for Sontera with three guys and no money to now 350 local employees. Um, and and doubling that in the next two years with just our current project and also acquiring 500 new employees with our integration of the brew uh, complex uh, shortly. So a lot going on, and we've accomplished quite a lot in short order. Um, and, you know, our goal is to become a 300 plus thousand ounce producer focused solely on Mongolia, where we have an edge, where we have first mover advantage. We have the infrastructure, the cash flow, and cash flow and production growth.
1: Well, and it's a fascinating story. You know, again, we, we're all familiar with the companies that are constantly diluting themselves. You know, they're out staking and drilling and then they need more cash. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, they got to come back. Not that that isn't something you might want to do someday, but the fact that you're able to uh, cash flow your future exploration off of your current production mm-hmm. in an area where who knows what you might find up there. Uh, it totally unexplored, no you know, virgin territory no. to a large extent. Uh-oh. I find that fascinating. And you think about where you are. Talk a little bit, just a little bit more about your position and the jurisdiction of Mongolia and what the, you know, what the rule of law is like and what the no. infrastructure is like. I mean, I mean, think we, most people are familiar geographically, the idea that you're kind of right between China and Russia, which are pretty big gold accumulators. You know that yeah. might look at a Mongolian company and go, huh? But outside of that, uh, just mm-hmm. the jurisdiction in general, so people can feel comfortable if they decide they want to invest in a company like Step Gold.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, Mongolia itself became independent. You know, when the Soviet broke up, it was one of the, the Soviet satellite countries. So in the early nineties, gained independence. Uh, arguably, and, and CNN was was in country in the summer and they they did a three days, you know, shooting out of Mongolia. Uh, for Quest means business. You know, they even said it themselves is the, probably the best functional democracy out of those so, former Soviet countries in region. So that's a huge thing. Uh, yeah. Parliamentary elections every four years uh, with a with a, a one year offset for the president. But the the prime minister really just like in Canada here, uh, you have members of parliament. Prime minister runs the country. Uh, I would say the president's more like a, a, a governor general role. Uh, if you want to put it that way, for comparison, so uh, stable government, major majority for the last two terms since we started Step Gold in 2016, uh, pro mining, pro foreign investment. Mongolia, Mongolia is a mining jurisdiction. That dri- that's the biggest driver of the co- of the economy, biggest employer, hmm. uh, most taxes, are very important uh, to the to the country and, and the government. Um, they haven't changed any taxes. Uh, or royalty regime, you know, since we started our our company. In fact, they actually gave us capital when we announced our feasibility study for our expansion in 2021, you know, and we've since paid back, but it helped us grow when the markets were soft and we still had to raise our project financing. So, support of government, we own 100% of our asset uh, and, you know, there's already a world-class, you know, elephant, you know, size uh, asset discovered by, you know, Robert Freeland. Rio Tinto now operates called Oyotogoy. So you can build a world-class mine. You can discover a world-class mine and build it and operate it in country, and that's now that employs about 16,000 people today, and that's growing and expanding. So Rio Tinto showed their confidence in the country by consolidating um, about a, a couple of years ago and buying turquoise Uh, because of consolidating the ownership and taking on the associated CapEx. That's a big endorsement. And they've publicly said themselves in the last six months, many times, how strategic Mongolia is, how excited they are. And obviously they're there. Since then, you've had the Chinese major, Zijin Mining, uh, make an investment in a copper gold company called Xanadu. Uh, The French government just last year, Macron was there, uh, and they signed a $2 billion uranium agreement. Uh, The Japanese, the Koreans, the Germans, the Indians, Canadians, the U.S., Are all there. So, part of, you know, go back to we're we're strategically located between Russia and China, but we're favorably located there so that we're more strategic to all these other countries that I just mentioned. So, opportunity in in, in a way, a level of protection. So, no one's going to take us over. uh, You know, they tried, right? You know, (laughs) for for millennia. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it's it's, it's a country that's, I I would say, one of the last frontiers. It's like going to, you know, like Africa, we know it was researched 20 years ago. And you have all that opportunity and you have all these great partners here uh, coming in so very exciting time to be involved uh in the country how it's safe there's still the rule of law you like we, we mentioned in fact uh you know we've had the uh, government come to pdac here in toronto led to come this weekend uh for, since 2016 since we even started coming on the stage talking about how supportive they are they don't want to own the assets they want to be a passive royalty partner collect the taxes and help support uh partners like us grow their economy and educate and uh skill and employ their the local workforce. Work so uh, yeah, it's fascinating.
1: It, I yeah. it really is. I mean it's something I'm sure most people watching us have never really even considered and you can certainly see why Eric and his team yeah. are are getting involved there. Uh it's a yeah. fascinating opportunity. If people want to learn more. Uh mm-hmm. what are your ticker symbols uh in the US and in Canada?
0: Yeah. So on the main board of the Toronto Stock Exchange, our ticker is STGO, Sierra Tango Golf Oscar, and yeah. on the U.S. OTCQX, uh, STPGF. Got and it. And of course, we're always available to talk to any investor of any size. I speak to the smallest, to the biggest, like Eric, and everyone in between. Uh, very accessible. Our website has lots of good videos of our site. Yep. You can see our operating mind, the people, uh, and, and, and we're always accessible. So uh, it's it, never a better time to get in a producer that's expanding and exploring. We, we create it. We have a nice little mix here and a lot of upside, obviously, you know, given yeah. where, we're, where the market is today.
1: And just to make sure I didn't butcher the website address earlier. Did I just stepgold.com?
0: It's stepgold.com. S-T-E-P-P-E gold.com. Right.
1: For those of you that failed geography class, <laughs> step, right? That's a, a, a land oh, as you move north. Okay, That's so right. it's not S-T-E-P like what you take to come up from your basement, right? S <laughs> T E S-T-E-P-P-E, gold.com. And Neil, it's been fascinating to visit with you, and I hope we can do this again soon. I uh, As we wrap up February and wrap up the month, I want to remind everybody a new month is beginning. Uh, we've got an extra day in February that we got to deal with, but it'll be March soon enough, and there will be a whole bunch more content coming from Sprott Money. So if anything click the like or subscribe button on whichever channel you've been listening to this or watching this so that you're reminded every time Sprott Money puts something out. And then, of course, stop by Sprott Money anytime you're in the market for physical gold and silver or a place to store it. 888-861-0775 is the number. You can call them. It won't cost you anything to do that either. Um, Anil, it's been great visiting with you. Again, this has been Anil Virach. He is an executive vice president and a director at Step Gold. Uh, pretty good size holding of Eric Sprott and his team. I guess you might as well check it out. And Neil, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating. Thanks for having me. From all of us at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for watching. Hey, we'll talk to you again with all kinds of content coming at you in March.